What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to Stories from the Foul Line. My name is Nick Nasby. I'm your host, and I'm here with one half of the Philly Bulls, Mr. Mark DeQuillo. Mark, how's it going, man? Doing good. Last couple of weeks of school here. I'm about to graduate soon, so uh, I've been trying my best to keep up with this NBA basketball. You know, I have a little setup going where I got my my homework and then a little TV on the left with my NBA League Pass. Highly recommend you guys go out there and get it. I know the season's closing up, but for next year, highly recommend that investment because watching out-of-market games, there's nothing better. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great investment. Um, plug alert for fucking League <laughs> and, Pass. Really and cool. no, they are not a sponsor. No, they're not. Not yet. I guess they probably will never be, but whatever. Uh, anyway, you know, in, in the time since the last since we last met or last talked you know we really haven't talked all that much about current you know today NBA we've been focused a lot on these on the positions from Rashad and all of that kind of stuff and we talked a little bit about the season and the way it's going but I think that it's important for us now to kind of dive back in because it is the home stretch we're almost at the end of the year here and we're seeing a lot of these storylines kind of coming to full circle and coming to fruition. One of them being, of course, the Knicks being the fourth seed in the East. And Julius Randle probably is going to be the unanimous most improved player, averaging damn near 25 points a game, uh, pretty much 11, 11 rebounds and almost six assists. So, you know, there's that happening at this at the current time. And then on the Western Conference, I think I want to focus on that for us here today, Mark. Because the West is, is is wide open. You know, LeBron got hurt earlier this season. He has those injuries going on. Uh, Anthony Davis just came back, and he actually, I think he got hit in the face last night or something, and, like, he had to sit out for a little bit of time. But anyway, you know, there's some injury issues on the Lakers. They've dropped down to fifth in the, in the West, so they're going to probably make a four seed pretty unhappy when it comes to playoff time because those guys are going to be coming back. The one and the two and the three seeds are actually – uh, a lot different than people probably would have anticipated going into this season because at the at the number one pretty much all year uh, has been the Utah Jazz coming in really hot at at, at the uh, at I want to say f- like forty four and seventeen or some shit like that. Uh, right behind them, actually, only a game back right now is the Phoenix Suns, and then in third we have the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Out of those three teams, Mark, which has been the biggest surprise, biggest pleasant surprise for you going into the season? I think without a doubt, it's got to be the Phoenix Suns. Um, And that's because there were a lot of teams coming into this season that kind of fit the script of the Suns as a team. There's There are these teams every single year. They make the really nice offseason moves. They're the offseason winners. And they kind of end up in that leeway where where you don't know whether they're pretenders or contenders. Because not not always those moves work out the way you expect them to. Um, There are a lot of teams like the Hawks, for example, who we will get to that made similar moves. And you questioned early in the season, whether the Hawks looked like they, they made the right moves. Um, To be honest, they, they were in a, in a tough spot there for a while. The Suns though have been here all season long in the top three seeds. And it's, it's unbelievable to me how fluid this team looks. They're just playing so strong together. And we preach, the abilities of Chris Paul to lead a roster and take that pressure off of Devin Booker the way he has. But to me, it's the depth of this team. I was watching the broadcast last night. I believe it was Suns Nuggets was the game. I think that that was the game that I was watching. 
Actually, sorry, Clippers. It was Clippers. And the Suns beat the Clippers by eight points last night. It was a huge, huge win. They've now beaten the Knicks and ended that winning streak. And then the Clippers back-to-back. But I'm listening to this national broadcast. And what shocked me is to hear the announcers say something that I have been preaching for a long time on this podcast. That one of the most important players on this team moving forward and in the playoff run is Cameron Johnson coming off the bench. And he, at times this season, has really shown that ability to add depth to this roster, putting up, at times, 15, 10 to 15 points a game off the bench, along with a guy in Jay Crowder, who's sort of the veteran version. I just think, head to toe, this team, even somebody along the lines of Cameron Payne, has, has been solid for them. And I think it all comes with taking pressure off of these guys when you have a guy like Chris Paul leading the way. And he turns these virtually no-name players that haven't made a name for themselves in the league yet into seriously contributing assets on a playoff team. And, you know, I'm I'm a big be- believer, I guess, in the Jazz. I think they are what they are. But I kind of, to be honest, expected them to be somewhere where they are right now. I like them as a top three seed coming into the season, if I'm being honest. Did I see them ahead of... The Lakers and Clippers, no, but also I don't think they would be here right now if the Lakers were fully healthy all year. I think they would probably have the one seed. So as far as surprises go, I think the Suns are a bigger surprise than the Jazz. The Jazz, to me, I just started rewatching Mad Men for the first time in probably like, you know, eight years or something. And the Jazz are like the Mad Men of the NBA because it's just an ensemble of a yeah. team. There's no stars driving it. And it's it's interesting to me, though, because, you know, and we'll go into the power rankings that NBA.com had dropped last earlier this week. You know, they're fifth in the power rankings, and they have the best record in the league. Yeah. So how does that team not have more hype around them? And it's just like, it's where they are, you know, located. Their market isn't really that interesting. Their team is star-driven because you have Mitchell and Gobert. But, like, honestly, at the end of the day, they're a team – oriented kind of you know factor so it's like that's the difference that we see with them compared to another teams or other teams that we'll be talking about here now out of those first three teams of course we're gonna you know the suns are 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 wildly overperforming compared to what we thought they were gonna do i think monty williams has to have something to do with it 100 i mean he has to have a lot to do with it because i mean look at how he had those hornets teams or the pelicans and the hornets you know overperforming when he was in new orleans too He's got a lot of talent uh, as a coach. He's got a lot of great insight, but it's always easier when you have an assistant coach that's literally running your team. You know, mm-hmm. assistant coach as in Chris Paul is <laughs> at this point. It's pretty much what he is. If you have a guy who is able to orchestrate the offense the way he does, be an asshole on defense the way he was against the Knicks specifically. I mean, Derrick Rose was going off in the in the third, and all of a sudden here comes Chris Paul just going off on him. And there's just nothing that he can do. And so now all of a sudden, you know, Chris Paul is is stopping Derek from this insane scoring streak that he's going on just because he wants to get the win. The Knicks were playing the best basketball in the league probably for the for the last, you know, month and a half almost. And now they go up against the Suns and they just they cannot get it done because of somebody like Chris Paul. So the fact that it was a defensive stop for them to get that win. 
that was what really impressed me because when I thought about the Suns and the Suns being successful, I definitely didn't think it was ever going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I want to ask the question here in the Western Conference. When we're looking at the top three teams, it's like we've mentioned, it's a very interesting year because of these injuries in large part. And the fact that the Jazz and the Suns are unexpectedly your one and your two seed at the current moment. I don't, they they may or may not stand there, but right now, if I had to put money on it, I think I have those two finishing one and two in the standings. Now, what's interesting is we finally, I think, have the teams that we know in the Western Conference are going to be making it into the playoffs and into this play-in tournament. Uh, the Pelicans are like four games out from the Warriors at the 10 seed. So unless something miraculous happens, which I don't think Steph Curry is going to allow, um, the Warriors are, the Pelicans are not going to catch them. So we know that this Warriors team, the Spurs, the Grizzlies, the, the Trailblazers the, are all going to make this playoffs. My question is, is there a team like a Warriors they're only a half game out of that 7-8 playing game. If the Warriors can get in that 7 seed or even that 8 seed, can they knock off a Suns or a Jazz team? Or are these just too strong at the top? Because as surprising as the Jazz and the Suns have been, do we fully believe in them the way we believe in 1 and 2 seeds normally in the NBA as totally upset proof going into the playoffs? I mean, I never think of them being upset proof as a one or a two. I mean, there's only a few times where it's set in stone. Yeah. And that's usually requires a, a super team, which is kind of diminished, you know, except in Brooklyn. But I think when it comes to those top teams, the thing that is really going to separate them from uh, any, uh, any of the teams that could potentially be going up, up against them after this playing tournament is going to be how experienced are they in the playoffs comparatively because yeah. i mean if you get the warriors in the first round that's great and all and steph's probably going to be a lot of entertainment and a lot of fun but at the end of the day that team if you look at it honestly <laughs> besides steph and draymond there's not a whole lot of playoff experience on it anymore because a lot of those guys are newer so they don't have the championship experience that they used to they have the two their two stars and they have kind of the this entourage of cast of, of a cast around them so that's a little bit of a different thing i think the team that you want to watch out for in the playoffs if you're one of those top two seeds uh, as crazy as it might sound, but I don't think it's going to sound crazy really at all, is going to be the Grizzlies. If you get the mm. Grizzlies in the first round, you got to watch out because they have two of the most improved players in the entire league on their team playing right now, Kyle Anderson and Grayson Allen, as much as I fucking hate to say it. Uh, and now they have Triple J coming back, and you can't obviously ever count out Ja and, and what he's able to do. So if you get that team in the first round, Taylor Jenkins has them playing amazing basketball They've lost a couple of their last uh, three, which is you know always unfortunate. But at the end of the day, if you get that team coming out of the play-in tournament with a little bit of momentum, it's going to be pretty dangerous if you're one of those top two seeds, especially because neither of those teams are in their division, and they might not have seen them as many times as a team that might have played them more often. I know in the in the in the inner interconference kind of play it's not it doesn't really make too much of a difference but in that case it might and and especially with Triple J coming back he's just come back. And so that's going to be a big difference maker. And it's going to be the type of difference maker that people aren't going to notice because they're introducing him slowly. So by the time the playoffs come around, he's going to be getting the minutes that he usually would get. And that, that could be a huge issue for people. I mean, Dylan Brooks is playing great basketball, but at the end of the day, I watched them play. Dude, Kyle Anderson, you know how they call him slow-mo. 
it's it's so interesting to watch him play basketball because he literally moves so slowly that it fakes people out. Like he'll move one way so slowly to the other way that a guy will over defend because they think he's going there faster, and then he uses that over defense to go that that same direction and just and juke somebody. And it's like that's a, that's insane. He's actually so slow that it that it's to his benefit, you know. Yeah, I remember before the NBA bubble and COVID hit, I had bought tickets to a Grizzlies Sixers game at Wells Fargo in Philly because I wanted to watch Ja play. And Ja Moran honestly wasn't the highlight of that game. It was Kyle Anderson had went off. And, you know, he's actually from my girlfriend's town. He went to private school in North Jersey. And I remember her telling me she used her dad used to take her to watch him play in high school. He's the best player on his team. I believe he went to UCLA afterwards. And he was he, he was on that team with Zach Levine and there was somebody else that was there. They were loaded. And he, he kind of got like overlooked throughout a lot of his career. But you're right. He he's a very interesting player because he plays the game at such a slow pace, but he sees the court so well. I just don't know if the Grizzlies they are a very team-oriented team at this point. The other team, though, that's right around there is the Trailblazers are always scary. And they have not been playing good basketball lately. They do play in the same division, though, as the Jazz. And sitting there at the 7 seed right now, not playing good basketball, if they fall into that 8 seed, you have a matchup between the Jazz and the Trailblazers, who are two teams that are very familiar with each other. And obviously, we know Portland will have the most dynamic player on the court at all times. That's not out of the question to see an upset there. I think, honest to God, that in the Western Conference this year, the Eastern Conference is a completely different story, but we could be looking at an eight, at a better chance at an 8-1 upset than we've seen in a long time. And that just shows you, A, how loaded the Western Conference is from top to bottom, and B, the fact that we have two teams that are such a surprise sitting there at the 1-2 that I don't think it's as clear-cut as we're used to. If the Clippers even were the one, end up as the one seed, I don't see them getting upset because of the star power. I just There's something about these guys that are the top 10 players in the league, like a Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together or LeBron and AD, those super teams like you talked about where you just don't see them getting upset early in the playoffs. But when you're talking about team-oriented basketball, going up against a team like Portland who has a top 10 player that can single-handedly win a game that they should not win, that's where I see these upsets could very likely happen in the Western Conference. Same with Luka yeah. and the Mavs, honestly. But that's a little more I mean, that's the thing. The, in the West, your, your six to eights are more dangerous than I think it would ever be in the East. Yeah. The problem is the top heaviness usually in the West is, is pretty daunting, and that's kind of why we see it not even really making a difference. The problem is always in the West of, like, you have to win 50 games just to make the playoffs. That actually isn't the case this year. Luckily, for first time in a very long time, that's not the case. But, I mean, the Clippers are playing some of the best basketball in the in the entire league without Kawhi. You know, Kawhi's missed seven out of the last eight with an injury. And so, you know, Paul George has been going absolutely apeshit in that time frame, 31 a game and playing very efficient basketball. He's one of the most hated stars in the league. Not hated, but probably hated on, I think is a better way to word it. Yeah. He gets hated on a lot for 
his playoff performances, and I think a lot of it has to do with he puts it on his back and he and he listens to it. I think a thing that comes into the equation when it comes to these stars is how are they capable of acknowledging or not acknowledging the kind of shit that they take from people, especially with social media today. And and we see some of them doing a better job than others. I mean, look at Kevin Durant making burners and fucking trolling people on his Twitter just because he doesn't like what people say about him. Paul George is, I think, very similar in, in that regard where he doesn't, he hears these things that are said about him and it affects him, you know? And and so that's, that's something that I think is dangerous for other teams because it looks like it affects him in a sense where he's got a chip on his shoulder. And for somebody that talented to have a chip on their shoulder really uh it's very concerning the clippers have the best offensive efficiency in the nba right now Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not they're not terrible on defense but their offense is really where it goes and so i think that that's going to be a big deal when it comes to the playoffs Uh, any team that goes up against them being able to stop like a a paul george being able to stop a Kawhi, and then all the supplemental players that you have going around him you got batum i mean you even rondo is playing well efficiently and when it comes to you know facilitating the basketball serge Ibaka, all these guys are coming back and what do you do when one of them is going off and the other one is kind of there you know in terms of uh of still being a threat that's dangerous Marcus Morris, Marcus has Morris been actually- shooting shooting the basketball at the highest clip of anybody of his, his entire career, shooting forty eight percent from three. I mean that's a, that's an absurd amount for somebody of his size, and so he's doing that. This is this is a team that is really working together. I mean, I've uh, whatever Zubak, he's playing great basketball. He's playing consistently on defense and on offense at this point. He's helping facilitate this offense. I mean, there's a lot of different guys doing different things that I think it's very impressive and interesting for us to say like I think the Clippers have a genuine chance of getting out of the West this year because now when you have the Lakers coming back as a five seed which is again very dangerous and if they do win they're going to be playing most like there's a chance they're playing the Clippers in that second round Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and so if that's the case then they go against that team and there's there's a genuine chance that they uh that they're able to face the Clippers, you know, one four or one five and stuff like that. It's going to be a pretty pretty uh rough series, but I think the Clippers have what it takes to beat them this year. And I think a lot of that also is going to come down to the fact that LeBron James is going to be coming back after how many months or how many weeks off. You know, that's a big deal. The only question there is then, on the other hand, Kawhi Leonard is has missed the games recently, but I don't really see him missing a beat and I also think that was it's been more of a precautionary thing too with Kawhi than it was with LeBron um if anything you could look at the Lakers rushing back LeBron more so than the Clippers rushing back Kawhi Leonard um but the Clippers are always dangerous it's just that you still are going to have that fear in the back of your head of what is playoff Paul George going to be like and is that unfair yes it's probably unfair to do that to him after the bubble But I also think, just like you said, this bench is playoff proven. The amount of guys on this bench that have been and succeeded in the playoffs before is ridiculous. And they're not huge names by any means. But they have a bench that has all been there and done exactly what we said. They've carried a team that had stars before and brought them deep on a playoff run. So I think... When you're talking about teams in the Western Conference, this is as deep and veteran of a bench as there really is. The Lakers some somewhat have that, but not to the level of the Clippers. 
And I, I think that takes a lot of pressure which, off. Which, by the stars. way, going into the season, we were saying the exact opposite. Yeah. Which I think is really important to talk about. We were saying that the Lakers did a little bit more on their bench in terms of depth to, you know, outdo the Clippers. Now, the injuries I think have to become have to be put into play with this conversation. Because once you get LeBron back, those guys have lesser of a role. I mean, you have Andre Drummond, who now, because he's he's now running a five, and, and you have AD running more of a four, and they're running off of each other. So, like, there's that aspect. Before that, he was running more of a four, and you had Marcus All running five. And so now there's the difference there. Now Mark's coming off of the bench, and there's a big difference with that. That dynamic goes into play. There's a lot of different things that Vogel can do with the Lakers. I think it's just really going to come down to how quickly can they get back on to to their midseason and late season form with their guys being hurt because that's going to be a big difference if you have lebron coming back you know he they said initially he was coming back this week it sounds like he's not going to be back this week is maybe next week or even the week after and if that's the case you know you're getting closer and closer to playoff time and he is going to get less and less uh regular season experience to get to that playoff level i mean Honestly, let's get realistic. Does it really matter for LeBron? I I doubt it. But at, but I mean, we're here's here's another place that he hasn't been too far to too recently, and uh, that's injured. That was one time he's gotten hurt before. Really, you know, he's been a tank his entire career, and now he's getting hurt going into the playoffs. The last time he got hurt, the team wasn't good enough to make the playoffs. So you know, let's see what let's see what happens with this. It's an unfortunate thing about aging, but it does happen. So I think it's uh it's going to be a really important thing for us to look at with LeBron James. How does he look back like when he comes back? It's going to be LeBron. It's nothing new or nothing. It's not going to be anything different. But I think that there's other teams in the West right now who could definitely challenge them for the Western Conference. And I think that we, c- we have to at least be talking about four teams right now that could get out of the West. And that is right now, as it stands, the uh, the Clippers, the Jazz, the, the Suns, and I would say even the Nuggets could get out of the West right now, the way that they're playing. In the last eight games, they've won seven out of the last eight games with Jamal being out. That's a big deal because that was the thing that we were talking about being a huge, huge concern for the Nuggets when Jamal got hurt. Now, my question for you in the Western Conference, we didn't, the bubble is a little bit different of a story. But do you think that the advantage of having Frank Vogel as the head coach of the Lakers and somebody that knows the ins and outs of Paul George better than anybody? brought him his most successful years in Indiana for both of them were together going to -to back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals. Do you think that that's something that will play to the advantage of the Lakers and being able to bring playoff Paul right back into play in a series between the LA teams? I I don't know what goes on with Paul George in the playoffs. I don't know what causes him to his play to diminish the way that it has in the past few years. I just, this year comparatively to the last few years, I just feel like there's something different about the way he's playing, and I feel like he's on a mission. So I don't think it's going to matter all that much. I I, think that you can probably throw two or three at him this year, and he's still going to get his. I think it's going to really require the rest of the team to step up and be able to, to play, you know, play around him. Yeah, and be able to do what, you know, what they do around him, because I feel like he is going to get his and I don't think he's going to drop you know, he's going to drop in efficiency the way that he has in the last years. Now, I'll eat my words. You know, this is a potentially cold take. But at the same time, I just, you know, I mean, I and I, I said something very similar to this last year because he was playing so well in the bubble. But then the playoffs came around and he he really his his play really dropped. And and that was something that I was I was surprised by. 
But I don't think anybody got scrutinized more than he did last year when it comes to playoff performance. I also don't think he's had a team that fit him as well as this Clippers team currently does since the Pacers. All those Thunder teams just felt kind of forced to me, even when he had his near MVP season. Um, And then last year's Clippers team was still trying to figure things out. Um, I don't think they ever fully figured things out, even though they were still a threat. It was like they, they were too new to each other. This is the first time I really think since those Pacers teams, Paul George has a team built for him. And him and Kawhi Leonard, I questioned for a while whether they could play together. They've proven this year that it works. They de- they definitely proved it, you know, playing off of each other, especially of being very similar of position. You know, we we've, we've talked about it when it came to the forward positions, the small they're both pretty much small forwards and they they run off of each other pretty well. I think that you could play Paul as a 4, you can even play Kawhi as a 4 at some points, but the it's it's going into that positionless style of basketball where they have two guys playing the same position on the same at the same time on the court and they're able to roll off of each other so well that it really doesn't even matter at certain points. And I think that's very important for for other teams to pay attention to how just how dangerous that can be when that is the case. You know, I wanted to to pivot over to the Nuggets, though, here for a second, because while the Clippers, I think, are going to go into the the postseason strong, uh, I don't you know, the Nuggets are very, very hit or miss when it comes to it. But in the last eight games, they've won seven out of those last eight games. And Jokic is playing again, still on that next level. Is it really in, in your mind? The way that they've been playing, I know that you're a Philly guy, and I know that you know Embiid is still your number one guy, and I know that we talk about this almost every single week, but can you really honestly say that with the way that the Nuggets are playing, if this clip keeps up, that Jokic is not the MVP of this league? No, I mean, at this point, what did, what did I say going a week or two back? I said that the only way that this doesn't go to Jokic is if the Jamal Murray injury just completely depletes them and they they fall apart and drop to like the the seven or the eight seed. Um, that is clearly not happening. Jokic's odds at for MVP have swung to like minus four hundred. So I think uh, it's pretty much a given at this point. We're running out of time, and it's a shame. But uh, in the reality, he deserves it. He's played every single game pretty much. He's had no injuries this year, and just like you said, he is right now elevating this team to being being one of the hottest in all of basketball after the Jamal Murray injury. And, you know, there's two ways a team can go when somebody gets injured. You can completely fall apart and go on a bad losing streak when it's one of your stars. Or you rally together if if you're coached well, like the Nuggets clearly are at this point. You have good leadership like Nuggets clearly have at this point because of Nikola Jokic. And you rally behind them and you put together a winning streak like they have where they've won, I think, seven of their last ten games or something along those lines. And Jokic is leading all of it. I mean, even Michael Porter Jr., to his credit, and Aaron Gordon, they've both been balling on a whole nother level. And when we talk about deep, deep teams that have been in the playoffs, this team is right there with the rest of them. I think that that Aaron Gordon move, too, has done leaps and bounds for them. Um, he's He's been a little hot and cold, but I think it's just the presence of him on the court that's helping a lot of these guys be able to kind of move around and get open a little bit more, especially with no Jamal Murray. If you didn't have Aaron Gordon, then you're really pressing yourself and teams could focus in a lot more on Nikola Jokic. I think the Nuggets are a threat too. When I look head to toe in the Western Conference, it's hard to find a team where I can write them off right away. 
Yeah, and it's it. The West is usually like that until yeah. you see the playoffs. It's always like, oh man, any team could really take it, and then you see like, how do they actually play in the playoffs? Who's gonna cave? Unfortunately for superstars, some of them don't have the the capability of sustaining throughout a seven game season or series. So, yeah, that's gonna be the case. We'll see if that's the case. You know, in in the playoffs, maybe Jokic doesn't really have it. Last year, I mean, he was playing really well in the playoffs, but who was really taking the candle from him was Jamal Murray in those playoffs. You know, getting them to where they had to be. Uh, in those in those three one you know comebacks that they had a couple times, that was all Jamal, and so that was an important thing for us to look at. Since the fact that he's not here, you know, this year, so who's gonna who's gonna take that mantle? I think MPJ is probably the best best uh, suited to do it. And honestly, you know, Jokic is gonna he's gonna be the guy, and that's that's just they know that going into it, and we'll see you know how dangerous they can be without somebody like like uh, Jamal Murray going into it. So. That being said, going into this week, NBA.com always drops their power rankings, and we wanted to go over these power rankings with you guys. It's changed. It's it's Thursday now, so of course, you know, by the time that this comes out, these teams will probably have moved, and by the time that uh, next week is is released, these power rankings might have adjusted a little bit based on their performance this week. However, I wanted to go through these and, and give you and and discuss them with you a little bit, Mark, so we can see if it's if you agree with them uh, or not of course and so number one on nba.com's power rankings is the clippers and as i mentioned before the clippers have the best the highest offensive efficiency even better than the nuggets and they're only number 11 in defense it's not like they have bad defense they're just they're just uh you know not in the top 10 which is honestly in my in my in my uh opinion fine their pace despite the fact that their offense is so good they have the 26th pace in the entire league so they slow the ball down and they score efficiently and that's a dangerous that's a dangerous setting if you think about it you know Tyron Lue has them playing at a very high level I think that those two guys as their stars are going to be very dangerous do you disagree with them being the number one team in their power rankings yeah I actually do I it pains me to say it but I would put the Nets there um but it, it it's hard to it depends what metric you're looking at whether you're looking at this as the way they've played this far versus moving forward. Um, and I think that's where the NBA is probably like the NBA rankings are going with how the Clippers have played. But it seems like the Nets right now are just like really rolling on another level and, and getting things going, uh, getting fully healthy. That's the only reason I would put them there. Um, and we still don't see the, the Clippers at fully healthy right now because of Kawhi Leonard. So I would probably flip flop the the Nets and the Clippers, but it's, it's pulling hairs at that point. But yeah, just to, to touch on the Nets, there are six and four in their last 10 games. Finally got KD back and you're still waiting on James Harden. But I think they're another team. We have to touch on some of the role players that we didn't expect when they when they gave up the amount of depth they did to go out and get James Harden. Some of these guys have really stepped up and that includes Joe Harris, who I don't even think we can consider him really a role player anymore. But it also... Includes guys like Bruce Brown on this list, who's been phenomenal all year long. And also their rookie, Nicholas Claxton, has has done work too. Both of those guys, I think, have minor injuries right now. Claxton has COVID. But having these guys come playoff time where depth is the most important thing beyond having superstars. And that was the biggest worry about the Nets for the longest time. And I think they fixed their depth, which is why they're my number one team. The question is, do they have proven 
depth that has done it before in the playoffs. They have a little bit of that with Joe Harris and with, I guess, you could say Blake Griffin. You could say uh, DeAndre Jordan has some playoff experience as well. But I think the Clippers do have better playoff depth. I'm going to edge out the Nets, but it's pulling hairs, like I said. So you would would put the... Nets at number one, and then four, would you have the Clippers at the, as the second? Yeah, Clippers okay. two. I'll go Clippers two, yeah, and then we'll get into – I think the the top – the way you almost have to break up this top ten is the top five and then the rest because I don't think anyone can really argue with the top five. You could prove I, I me mean, wrong, I, though. I honestly could probably argue a little bit with, with some of these selections. And so, I mean, power rankings is always an interesting concept because it never has anything really to do with the record – it's all about how they're playing right now. You know, how, how are they in terms of their their strength or how, how how do they look comparatively to the rest of the teams? That's, you know, how they work these these things. So, you know, yeah, the, the Nets are the no, number two on the list. So I think that uh, you agree with that. I would I would honestly put or you put you put them at number one and put the Clippers there. I, I agree with you. I, I see where you're coming from there. Uh, I think it's interesting still that we're not talking about the team with the number one record in the league, but we'll get to them yeah. when we get to them on this list. Uh, number three is actually the Phoenix Suns. So the Suns are 42, they're 44 and 18. So they they are the number two team in the in the West. They're only a game back from the top spot. They as as this as this list was released had the number seven offensive rating and the number five defensive rating in the entire league. Yeah, Chris Paul is playing at a level at an All NBA level as usual. Devin Booker is doing exactly what we expect him to do, scoring in, in drones. They have a great supporting cast around those guys. DeAndre Aiden is Aiden is, is actually his numbers are, are down, but it doesn't you wouldn't be able to tell because he's fitting no, into that man. offense perfectly. And so I think that that is they are out of these first three teams the biggest. In my opinion, I think that they have probably the best chance to make it out of the West. That's I, I will go out and say it. The way that they're playing right now, they're so cohesive. They have a little bit of that experience now on their team, guys who have been to the playoffs, all that kind of stuff. We'll see if they, you know, they're deer in the headlights when it gets to the playoffs, but if, if they look like they're ready to be there, then I think they're a really, really big threat to contend for that Western Conference championship. And uh, and I don't know if you agree with them being the number three team on this power rankings. What do you think? I would actually flip-flop with a team that you mentioned right before that we'll get to, and that's the Utah Jazz, actually. I think I would go Jazz over Suns. I, it's it's hard because of the fact that, like you said, this is all relative to how they're playing right now, and the Suns are red hot and proving everyone wrong. But just the the Jazz are fourth, I believe, in um, points per game defensively and first in the league in offensively. They're they have the best points differential in the NBA, and like you said, the the best record in the NBA, and we nobody's really talking about it. Their division too is a lot tougher. And I, I, the scheduling this year doesn't necessarily uh, come into play the same way it usually does. But the Jazz, I feel like, are, are, are playing competitive basketball on a night-in, night-out basis. And I like their team overall a lot stronger than the Suns moving into the playoffs. The Suns are just red hot right now, so it's a tough time to do this ranking because I think anybody's going to put them as the hottest team in basketball, especially after what they did last night. I just would tend to flip-flop the Jazz because of their um, defensive numbers, too. 
Uh, defensively, the Suns are very strong, but they're not at the level of the Jazz strictly because of Rudy Gobert. He just does so much defensively for your team. That's why I would I would flip flop them, but I would actually put both teams ahead of the Sixers right now and drop the Sixers to five. Yeah, their net rating is is number one in in the league. Their offensive rating is one sixteen, defensive is one hundred seven. So at least that uh, that's how it was on Monday. I'm sure it's changed by now. Uh, so the other thing is for offensive and second for defensive. So top five for both, and they're the only team who has that. They're also the second best three point shooting team in the league. Which I, is that something that you would have expected at all with this team going into the season? Nobody no. could have expected Michael Conley to shoot the three the way he has this year, and then they have Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich doing the same thing, and Jordan Clarkson off the bench. I mean, Very Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson, I think has been the most impressive for me at least. And he he always was just a swaggy P type, you know, microwave. Jr. Smith gets hot sometimes, and then other times is absolutely just ice cold. But this year, every time I've watched him, he has been actually actually efficient shooting the ball, and it's imp- and that's the most impressive thing about it is that it's difficult to be an efficient scorer if that's all you're doing mm-hmm. to be you know efficient and be able to shoot relatively well. So he, of course he has his bad games, but that's just going to be the case for a streaky guy like that. But he has been one of their most consistent pieces on in, in terms of you know playing time and in terms of scoring. So it, it's always good to be able to have somebody like that off the bench, and they've they have it. So you know they have the best record in the league. You would put them at three. It sounds like you would put the Suns at four. Now who they who the NBA dot com people have at four is actually your Philadelphia 76ers who as it stands right now have the 15th best offensive rating and third best defensive rating in the entire league. Um, they have been a little cold as of late. I think they, what was it? They lost like four something like four yeah. straight or some, something like that. Um, they bounced back a little bit and they're, they're in second right now in the e- in the East. They did lose that for number one spot to the nets, but the, there's just a game down six and four in the last 10 they have them at fourth. Would you where where would you put them? Would you put them any further than fifth, or would you stop at fifth with them? I, I stop at fifth, but yeah, they went on that four game losing streak to the Warriors, Suns, Bucks, and Bucks. Um, one of those games, granted, they totally gave up. They the Clippers game, they didn't have anybody playing in, and somehow lost by three points. So that was almost a win in my books. Then they gave up the Warriors game. Nobody played because they wanted, based on seeding, they needed to focus on the back-to-back games against the Bucks to lock up one of the top two seeds. And that's where that's where they fell in my book. I could have put them as high as two if they handled the Bucks, but they, they fell apart in two games at full strength pretty much. Uh, they didn't have Ben Simmons, but... They had pretty much everybody else. The only thing that really helped them out is they dominated the Hawks last night, which was a big win. Um, And they're finally getting back to full strength. I just don't see enough consistency out of them anymore to constantly put them as a, to justify putting them as a top two team in the NBA power rankings right now. Now, excuse me, on their best night, they're, they're arguably the best team in basketball. It just, we don't see it every single night. And part of it is you have some of these role players that are so volatile. And I don't like their bench whatsoever. That's why I was such a big advocate for going out and getting Kyle Lowry because it makes your team so much deeper. I worry a lot about this bench. I worry about the fact that 
as crazy as it is to say, Danny Green oftentimes is the difference between a win and a loss. I, I made this argument on Twitter the other night. If the Sixers told Danny Green that he wasn't allowed to dribble the basketball, they would be a better team because sometimes he gets hot as hell from three and he can hit seven in a game and single-handedly be the difference between a win and a loss. And then the other times he turns the ball over eight times and dribbles it off his foot three of those times. E- even beyond him, you're looking at guys like Furkan Korkmaz and Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton who are playing serious minutes and they either go for two points on one of eight shooting or they could put up 15 a game on any given night. I just We've been talking about depth and benches all episode long because these are the keys come playoff time. And what the Clippers have, what the Jazz have, what the Suns have, or what the Sixers lack. And you know what? That's You went out and got Seth Curry. That was a great move. You got Danny Green for uh, without, with giving up a minimal amount. But, you know, your only move at the deadline was going out and getting George Hill, who's done practically nothing since joining the Sixers in the past couple games. And I, I, I don't yeah, like that at all. You couldn't, have, you couldn't have expected that going into it, though. When you get George Hill, you expect production. You know, it just hasn't, well, hasn't and it, materialized. And it might, it might come in the playoffs. He's a very good playoff team, and it's going to take a while for him to get adjusted. He was injured for the first couple of weeks that they got him. I just felt like they needed to do more to separate themselves, especially after what the Nets went out and did getting Harden. And then you obviously go and get Blake Griffin. Aldridge didn't work out. We all know that, but I, I just worry about this team because I think they're destined for the Eastern Conference Final, but it seems like it's going to be a five, maybe six-game series loss, and I, that's not a team for me, at least with the top four teams in the power rankings. I think all of them have a legitimate shot at making it to their to the NBA Finals. I think actually, as much as it pains me to say, and you might disagree with this, the Sixers out of those five teams might have the worst chance at making it to the finals right now. And that, that pains me to say as a Sixers fan. I, I don't see the Sixers as a finals team anymore. Not like I did before the all-star game, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it out of the, uh, out of the East. I think that they're still the only team that has what it takes to beat the, the nets in the East. Definitely. Definitely. Honestly, you know, the, there's a, there's that drop off that we see now as we usually see in the Eastern conference, when it comes to like the top three teams, I think the Bucks probably could handle the Nets if they if they get to that point. And to be completely honest, like the Knicks just keep winning, man. I couldn't tell you why anymore. It's just they have good defense and they and they know what the fuck to do. And and so I think that has something to do with it. And I you know, so who knows what they're capable of doing when it comes to playoff time. But number six right now, we've talked about them a lot already, so we'll just kinda tap in really quick the nuggets came into this week as number six on the power rankings 39 to 21 they've actually won both of their games this week uh last night was a little contentious i don't know if you saw what happened zion goes up for a dunk that would be the game winner uh Jokic goes up to contest it they call it a, a block clean block uh, and it's they saw on the on the replay that he actually hit his wrist so they didn't but they didn't overturn it so a little bit of an iffy win but a win to win the so the Nuggets is number six without Jamal Murray. Do they have just to go back to it? What kind of staying potential do you think that they have when it comes to the playoffs? I've been really impressed, like we talked about that that they've played at the level they have without Jamal Murray. But that being said, I think it's going to come back to hurt them at some point. We saw what he did in the bubble, and he was carrying them with Jokic taking on more responsibility. The key is going to be 
what you said earlier, Michael Porter Jr. and guys like him, guys like a Aaron Gordon, who was the big move they made. These are the guys that need to step up because I don't think Jokic can't carry any more weight. I mean, yes, he can, but I don't think he can do it without hurting you as a basketball team if you ask him to do any more than he's already doing. He's an MVP. He's going to win the MVP this year, and now he needs to take on more responsibility because of Murray. I don't think that should be the case. I think it needs to come from other guys, and that's why they worry me a little. I think they might hit a rough spell, and I hope it's not come playoff time for their sake. That's why I would actually flip the Bucks and the Nuggets because the Bucks are full strength right now. I think Giannis got an ankle sprain. I He might have missed a game or two, but he's going to be fine. I think right now with the level the Bucks are playing and you're at full strength with Chris Middleton balling, Giannis being Giannis, and you still have Drew Holiday in there too. I like them as a 1-2-3 punch with a bunch of guys who are used to playing in the playoffs on their bench. I like them a little bit more than the Nuggets right now. With Jamal Murray, I flip them easily. A lot of guys who are used to losing in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. that's a fact. They're really used to losing to far inferior teams in the playoffs. So, I mean, we'll we'll skip over the Bucks. Honestly, I'm pretty bored of talking about the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, and mainly because they yeah they have them at number seven. So you would flip them, put them at six, put the Nuggets at seven. And number eight, the future NBA champion, New York Knicks, fourth in the conference right now. They came into this week at 34 and 27. Now they're 35 and 28. They did lose that game to the Suns earlier this week. So that is the case there. However, they are right now only 19th in offense, but fourth in defensive rating, and their net rating is ninth. So that's always that's a lot of that has to do with, of course, the 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 great defense that they've been playing. Uh, Randall is playing out of his mind. Derrick Rose coming off the bench, playing 30 minutes a game, is averaging 22 points a game in his last five. You know, IQ is the the shining beacon of hope for all rookies uh, of New York yesteryear. And uh, RJ Barrett is 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 back on track. So Tibbs has him going, has him humming. Number eight in the power rankings, number four in the Eastern Conference. Um, if this were to stay, let's say that the playoffs started today. They would be playing the Hawks in the first round. They did beat the Hawks just a few days ago. That being said, um, I don't really know what to ask you about this. Do you think that? What do you think about the Knicks? Do you think that they have a genuine potential to be a playoff threat, or do you think that it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, like we were talking about earlier this season? Do you think that it's really going to come down to the lack of experience? I mean, there really isn't a lot on the Knicks team, of course, of playoff experience. So, I mean, what do you think is going to happen when it comes to to playoff time? I think they can win a, a playoff series. I don't think that's out of the question. Um, and that's the the biggest thing they have going for them is is their best asset is their defense. That's something that I think these surprise teams don't don't always have. Um, if you're looking at a team like the Hawks, who are surprising right now and red hot and could very well be the matchup for the Knicks, the Knicks match up pretty well with them. And I think that I think the Knicks could handle them because of that defense. And that's exactly what the Hawks are lacking with no DeAndre Hunter. So I think the Knicks could handle them. What I wouldn't want to see if I'm the Knicks is that the Celtics and Hawks flip-flop and you get the Celtics because I think they would they would handle the Knicks pretty pretty fairly. Uh, they matched up a couple weeks ago, and I, I believe the Celtics got the best of them, if I'm not mistaken. I I, I believe that the Knicks are. Yeah, I'm not, they, but I'm not impressed by the Celtics, though. I don't know, man. Kemba's, I, I don't know Kemba's been a lot that. better. 
Yeah, Kemba's yeah. Been a lot I mean, at better. the end, of, that if if you were if you're relying on Kemba Walker to play well for your team to win, then you're in a bad place. If 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 Kemba plays badly and, and they lose, that's not good. They he, he shouldn't be at a position where he is like the decision maker between good and bad team. They're only three games over 500 for a reason. You know, is Jason Tatum the guy? I I still believe he is. Is is Jalen Brown a legitimate number two? I think he can be. I think yeah. he's probably better off as a number three, maybe getting less than, you know, less than 27, obviously, a game. I think anywhere from 18 to 22 is probably more f- suited for him. They have no big man. They have really no one to we stop should, Julius. We should talk about Robert Williams, though. He has been – he's been very – Yeah, but what is that. he – but what is he going to do against Julius Randle? No, it's true. Um, Realistically. Got, there's no – no one on that team can stop him. He's but too I don't, strong for all, their, you, for all their sports, and he's too, he's too big for – uh, he's too fast and and quick for all of their big guys. Kemba Walker, you're right. That's not it. He's not somebody you should rely on leading you in a playoff game. But I think that's still Jason Tatum. I think come playoffs, we've seen him do it. I mean, when they played the Knicks, Jason Tatum, they didn't even have Kemba Walker in that game. Granted, it was before this winning streak, but it was only. 12 games ago or so that these two teams matched up and Jalen and Jason Tatum combined for 57 points and 20 rebounds. Uh, they, they etched them out by only two points, which I think shows the strength of the Knicks and RJ Barrett, who went for 30 points in that game. Um, I just think, I, I or, think that would be, would be a really good playoff. It can story. also show the lack of defense on the Celtics side and also can show the fact that those guys can score as many points as you want, but who else is doing anything? Yeah, I mean that's that's really what I can say. I mean, you can have the best two guys that you want. That's great, but at the end of that day, you still have to have guys like fifty-seven points is a lot of points for two guys to score. But fifty-seven points isn't going to beat a team. You still need another 50, 60 points to to come up somewhere. So who's getting those now? Mitchell Robinson is out for the year, correct? Correct. He, okay, that's that's a shame too because I think uh, if I mean not really though because Nerlens has kind of done what he does. On the same level, if not a little better, honestly. I mean, Nerlens came into the league as like a, a really high, highly sought after defensive recruit, mm-hmm. and he's definitely been doing that. I mean, he. I remember watching his game against the Pelicans, and he he stopped. Uh, I want to say he stopped Zion at the rim, or maybe it was against the Hawks. He stopped Capella at the rim. Yeah, he blocked Capella at the rim, which is really good play. He's definitely uh, acclimating to the offense. I think that Tibbs' system is great for him because he's not really a great offensive player. But Tibbs doesn't really like to score with big guys all that much. Not like that. And he always has a guy, you know, a big man who who doesn't really score and is more of a defensive player. And, and that's that's what Nerlens is doing. So uh, I, I think that we'll be okay without Mitchell. I don't know how far they'll make it in the playoffs. All I know is that if you can win nine straight against all different types of competition in the NBA, then you're doing a good thing. And I and a lot of those games were away from home too. So I think that has something to do with it. I like the Knicks. I think that eighth in the power rankings is sufficient for them. I think they're probably going to stay pretty put when it comes to these power rankings as it comes to next week. The next team probably will drop pretty significantly moving on and that's going to be the memphis grizzlies who came into this week's power rankings at ninth 
Um, they started this this week at 31 and 28. They're now 31 and 30. They have lost the last two games. But as I mentioned before, and we won't go into them too much because we've already talked about them, they have two of the most improved players that I've seen this season in Kyle Anderson and Grayson Allen. Dylan Brooks is playing the same way that he always plays, which is consistently and uh, and very dangerous on, on the offense and defensive side of the basketball. John Morant, uh, the reason why we talked about him as being a point guard is the fact that he literally can influence a game without scoring any given game, which is huge. Triple J is back, and uh, Jonas is playing uh, actually a little bit better defense than usual, which is pretty uh it's about it's like a long time coming for him because he's a big guy and he should be able to do that so the Grizzlies Taylor Jenkins again playing great basketball anything you want to add about them or anything that you're thinking about when it comes to the Grizzlies no I think they are exactly what they appear um it's definitely an upside for them this season I don't think anyone really could have expected this and until recently too they've done this without John Morant like I think it would have been less of a surprise if John Morant this season was like far and away carrying them in every single asset of the game. Not to say that he is, and he's been very good, but it's not like a situation where you have this guy just single-handedly carrying them to win after win after win. It's these role players and a, a team-oriented style where John Morant really hasn't He's not even averaging 20 points a game this year. He's he's kind of he's been good, but he hasn't had to do everything, and it's, it's taken a lot of pressure off him. I've also been shocked the amount of minutes that Grayson Allen is getting on this team is is kind of interesting. I mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. He had like three out of four games where he put up 20 plus just a week ago. Um, I did not expect him to be an NBA player whatsoever. I still fucking hate him, but. Yeah, I mean Memphis is kind of going to fall right back into exactly where we expected them. I don't. I think they're going to be in a, a playing game situation no matter what, and I honestly think they're going to lose um, a playing game. I don't think they'll be in a in an NBA playoff series this year. But I like the future ahead. Uh, it's just tough when you're going to be competing with Steph Curry in a one game playoff. I think that's the biggest problem. Nobody wants to see that guy in a one game playoff. Uh, it's also, I mean, Jaws' numbers are actually a little bit down from last year, minus his scoring average is up about two points. He's shooting a little bit less efficiently, but he's shooting more. Just a, a you know, an extra shot a game. It dropped his his efficiency just a little bit. So it's a, it's not anything for concern. Obviously, he's he's becoming insanely productive. He's damn near twenty points, by the way. He's nineteen and a half, but he's yeah. uh, you know, he he's he doesn't need that. He's also averaging seven assists a game. So 19 and 7 as a 21 year old, I mean, you can't really ask for more from your star and and it's becoming more and more clear that he is the star of that team and it's very exciting to watch what he's capable of doing. So, you know, Memphis has an exciting future as you said and uh, and I think that it's going to be it's really going to come down to uh, those guys playing around John Morant, he is the focal point, and I think it, it's going to work out, especially with Triple J coming back now after that injury. So that is the number nine team Dude, on this. he is a walking highlight reel, too. Which it's one? It's actually, oh, actually sorry. Yeah. No, well, him, um, the and other Jot one is, is Ja is absolutely, Miles Bridges, dude, is fucking yeah. ridiculous. yeah. He's been he's been just out. He's been exploding this year. Yeah, you know. And I, I, I want to see it him honestly, in a full season. I think it it honestly see. I don't think we will. Unfortunately, I mean, we might we might see him in the play on. They're kind of 
dropping. Actually, you know what? Terry Rozier is kind of carrying this team. They're playing pretty well mm-hmm. without without their star. So, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to matter for them. Um, they might make the playoffs, but it's not going to be a very high. Have seat. you, by I the way, have you have you ever listened to a Charlotte Hornets? That's broadcast? what I was just going to say. The reason Dude, why the reason so why funny. it seems like he's so he seems like he's like exploding so much is because every time he dunks, these guys have a damn near aneurysm. No, and and Rozier, dude, their uh, their announcing is electric, dude. Though, well, is, I've I've tweeted about those guys like a thousand times. Those guys need like great. They need they need national contracts. I want to hear them every game. I could listen to those guys every single game i watch the hornets on league pass because i want to hear them because yeah. every time something happens like they'll hit a three they'll be like a three it's like yeah. dude chill and you know what but you awesome. know what? it's it's awesome and what i think is so great about it is they are gonna that announcing group is gonna have the ability to market not that he needs any help Lamelo ball for the next yeah easily 10 years i love that because every highlight clip that gets posted of him by Bleacher Report, all those guys are going to be those announcers those, hyping up. The those game. announcers are are the biggest. They're the biggest story in Charlotte. Yeah, they're the biggest story in Charlotte. The way that they play off of each other, I think it's great for them. I think the the Hornets found something great with those two. I don't know. I, I think one of them was a player. I, I don't know the names of either one of them, but um, number ten here. So we can just go through this and then you know come up with like maybe one more team or something. Uh, Dallas. Came into this week at 33 and 26. They're now sitting at, let's see, 34 and 27. So they're one and one so far this week. Uh, Luca's back. You know, Luca's top five in MVP voting as it stands right now. Uh, I mean, are we surprised? No. Do we? Do I like Luca? Not really. I think he's kind of a punk. But you know, they're they're playing good basketball. Chris stops. You know, playing well. I, I mean, the the Mavericks are. Honestly, if, like they're kind of boring yeah. as a team. Like I'm not like interested in the Mavericks because I know that they're a middle of the pack team, and I know they're they're not going to make a lot of waves in the playoffs. And I'm pretty pissed that they started playing well because I want their pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Knicks have their pick, and I wanted it to be a better pick. It's not. So they are them, you know. They are what they are. I mean, it, it, and they're not much more than that. I think it, it's been like this kind of since Luca arrived. Is he just single-handedly carries them? Now, what I think's interesting, like right now, would you say that the Hawks are a better team than the Mavericks after this past offseason, and that things are finally finally coming together? Because what I what I would say is they had such an underwhelming offseason. The Mavericks, the highly criticized by the entire NBA world, and I would question whether one offseason similar to what the Hawks did could change things around for this team. Because you don't need all that much when you have guys like Trey Young and like Luka Doncic around you. You just need to find the right pieces for that. I mean, you and, need more pieces for, for Trey than you need with Luka. That's yeah, that's difference. fair. That's definitely like, fair. Like, Luka but, needs one or two guys. I think and you that, need, you know, I think that if you if they can get another another wing to play with Luca, I think they're set. And I think yeah. if they have one guy, one scoring option to be able to reduce, you know, Kristaps points per game by two, maybe Luca's by two or three, so they don't have to produce as much and they can still and they can stick to facilitation, then it's gonna be a very dangerous team. So I and I think they'll find that guy. You know, they're not gonna get a great pick, but they'll probably find it in free agency because it's very tempting to go to Dallas right now. 
they have they're very they're on the cusp of something you know as long as carlisle's there and you have good ownership with mark cuban and you have your you know star and luca and you have your your supplemental star and, and kp and you have your other guys like tim hardaway even like a dwight powell like those kind of guys who can play relatively well off the bench jalen brunson's playing very well as usual defensively he is he has become a stalwart so he's become you know very very in inexpensive so expendable whatever you know what i meant but um yeah i think i think they need one or two guys you know they need maybe one guy to come off the bench or one guy to to play uh a three spot for them and be their guy who just you know lights it up so a 15 about, to 18 point guy how about a demar DeRozan? Yeah, I you could go Demar. I think he's getting a little bit old, and I don't know if they would want to. If is he walking in free agency this year? I think I think he's going to be on the market. I yeah, I think that they they would probably seek him. That's somebody who they would they would want. He's not you know he's not high demanding. He's not going to want mm. a lot, and he's not going to ask he for the ball too much. And he wouldn't have to move far. That's the other thing. It's he's already down point. there in San Antonio. Yeah. I mean, you can also look at players on shitty teams. Look at Kevin Love. Yeah, he's. I what mean, Kevin Love. Him? Kevin Love is playing act absolutely frustrated out of his mind. It's clear he doesn't want to be there anymore. What do you get thrown out from a game the other night? I heard about something. Uh, and what he didn't get thrown out. He like they 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 shot the ball. Somebody made a three, and he like threw the ball uh, against the bottom of the basket. And then, like he threw it to the other team, basically. To, so it was such a bad pass that it almost looked on purpose. I don't think it was, but like he's mad in Cleveland. Someone, yeah, as you should just be. Go for him, fucking go for him. You know, it might be a weird dynamic with him and, and KP because they're basically the same person <laughs> with a you know a height delta of like four inches, but they're basically the same player. But I think that they, it could potentially work, you know, in today's NBA especially. It's not like Kristaps is a bad defender. I mean, there's a lot of talent to be had, and there's definitely a lot of talent on teams that are underperforming to be had. And I, I think that they should, they ought to look at every single option this offseason because they have they have the the market and, and the team to, to get these guys. So uh, definitely performing as I expected the Mavericks yeah, are. Exactly. That should have been a... Uh... A future that every single person out there threw on the NBA. The Mavericks to be the sixth seed. I feel like it's every single year. The sixth seed. Yeah. Just put them right there. So last hey. up, let's talk about let's talk about the eleven and twelve real quick. Just yeah. to wrap up here. Cause at eleven we have Atlanta uh going into this week. And they're thirty four and twenty seven as it started. And as it stands right now, they're thirty four and twenty nine. So they have lost twice including once I think to the Knicks and I don't know who the other one was too, but so they're probably going to drop a little bit and the Lakers are at 12, which going into this season, I mean, no one expects, you know, an injury. So obviously that wouldn't be the case if everybody was healthy. They're 36 and 26, uh, one and one so far this season, best defensive rating in the league, 21st offensive rating. So they're not playing on offense very well. A lot of times it's really it's come down to somebody like a Dennis Schroeder playing well on offense. So that that's not good if that's the case for you, but it's also a, a banged up team and they're winning they were winning some games without their without their stars. So I think that has to be said. With that team healthy, I want we've already talked about the Hawks, so I'm gonna leave that alone. With the Lakers healthy, Mark, as they go into the offs into the into the playoffs, they're trickling towards they're trickling towards a play in game. I don't think they'll get to that point, 
But if they are the sixth seed, let's say that the, uh, I don't know, let's say the the Clippers are the three seed. Everyone's healthy. Everything's back. Who wins that series? I think we already sort of talked about it, but I mean, first <laughs> round, no no momentum. LA, LA series, 3-6. It's going to be LA versus LA, potentially. I want to say that the, that the Clippers would have it because you got to get LeBron acclimated, but I just, I'm not, it's LeBron James, dude. We've seen it too many times to count this guy out. And you you start to get this feeling that like if the playoffs were tomorrow, he'd be there and he would still probably put up 30 plus points and 10 assists and eight rebounds. You know, it's just, I, I, I don't, I don't know that we can, can count these Lakers out and you know they lost two games in a row to the Mavericks this past week with Anthony Davis they lost to the Wizards for God's sakes with Anthony Davis I don't give a shit if LeBron James is on that team or not you should not be losing that game to the Wizards but I just get the feeling that they are like they don't even give a fuck right now and that's not a good thing but at the same time it makes you think like they're just waiting to turn it up in the playoffs and they they want to play this underdog role I'm not so convinced that the Clippers would take care of them in a playoff series. I think it goes six, seven, uh, seven games, probably a seven-game series, regardless. And I think the Lakers could still handle that. I'm I not think betting the Lakers on it. Want to be a lower seed? No, I, I really do. Going I agree. Into this season as a one again was a was a problem for them. I mean, look what's happened to the Bucks so many times. The Bucks yeah. are now going into the playoffs as a three. You know, probably not going to drop any further, but they're the three seed. And it doesn't really look very promising that they'll move up at all in those rankings by the time the playoffs start. So they're going to be playing a six. And so for the Bucks to be a three seed, I think is a, be- the, a way better place for them to be than being the top seed that they've been for the past, what, three years or some shit like that. So I think that that's a good point that you're making. Same thing with the Lakers. I don't think they want to be a six. I think six is a little bit low. I don't think anybody wants to be that low. I think they want to keep that five seed. They don't want mm-hmm. to drop any further. Because a four or five is you know easy, and then you get and then you get potentially the one seed later. You know we'll see if you get the Lakers any momentum, they're like a fucking tri- they're like going to be a wrecking ball. So yeah, you know you can't get LeBron acclimated at all. You have to keep him uncomfortable, and uh, I think it's they still have a good chance to get out of the West. I think it's going to be a very interesting playoff, and these power rankings are definitely going to adjust by the end of this by the end of this week as the games keep going. Um, and so I am out really out of stuff to say, Mark, do you have anything you want to add just to some final thoughts? There's not really many teams left to touch on. I'm sorry if you are a Hornets fan. We kind of, t- actually, we touched on you. Um, or a Kings fan. I was going to say. Why? Why? Yeah. The know. Pacers, the Wizards. Uh, the, I'm, these, I'm I have just to saying say the, for anybody who are fans of those teams, teams I, I must say, uh, no one gives a shit about your team. I'm sorry. <laughs> At all, these these teams, you guys are probably going to be early because they suck in the playing games. Um, I'll just g- give one last shout out, really quick, to the the fact that I honestly believe that the Warriors are going to win whatever playing game they're in, and I don't think they're going to win a playoff series. But just don't let don't let Steph Curry be Steph Curry. Don't let Steph Curry single-handedly become the story of the NBA this year, which he already has, and go out and beat you in a fucking seven-game series by putting up 40, averaging 40 for the series. Because 
I'm telling you, this guy better be in the freaking playoffs because it's going to be must-watch TV every single game. And, you know, I there's you do not want to see him in that one-game series. That one-game series is over. And then the other team that, that we did not touch on who's going to be in a playing game as well could be a threat in the Eastern Conference, maybe, but I think we've been saying waiting for them all year is the Miami Heat. Um, if you're a Miami Heat fan, I think it's it's fair to say last year was your year. You're going to take in a year off, and we'll see you guys next season. Yeah, Tyler Hero's got a sophomore slump going on, smoking too many backwoods. <laughs> fucking, I don't know, on Biscayne. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like the Heat. I, I'm, I live here. You know, I, I, I see the team uh, every game. I try to watch at least a little bit. They are getting better as every single game goes on, but I think it might be a little bit too too little too late. And they have guys who are underperforming like Tyler. And, and I think that has a lot to do with it because look how much he had to do with their, you know, ascension last year and what he was capable of. So uh, they'll be good in the playoffs. They'll, they'll make, they'll make a, uh, some waves, you know, they'll hurt some feelings and stuff. They'll be play bully ball just because Jimmy is a dog and well, but we'll see what happens. So that being said, I'm, I'm out of stuff to say. And, We'll see you guys next week to see how close we are moving into this to this playoffs. And uh, once we get there, we'll obviously be starting on our uh, our, our predictions and stuff. And we're going to have Rashad on in the co- next couple weeks. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We're excited about that. And uh, we appreciate him and all of his help and all of that kind of stuff. If you like the episode, if you've listened this long, leave that five-star review. Let us know what you think. Uh, We're always so appreciative of that. And thank you guys for all paying attention and listening. And if you're not ugly, stay beautiful. And we'll see you guys next week.